This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJScholes24. Today, I'm going to open up the show uh, to ask my partner and discuss where do we find value in DFS play or season-long play at this late stage of the season. We're in the playoffs and in the season-longs, and and, uh, certainly uh, DFS play is a new game every night. But uh, for my money, I'm looking at goalies and uh, look at the tryout situation that Montembeau has enjoyed in Florida. I'll speak more about him in detail, but this is a team fighting for their playoff lives, and they've entrusted a rookie goalie who's off to a fine start to get almost every outing in in the nets there while they're hopefully still relevant. And I like Price in Montreal for much the same reason. They're fanning their faint playoff hopes, but they've got one of the very best in the business backstopping them there. In terms of the skaters, top-line contenders who are getting even more ice time than earlier in the year are my focus. And I look at the situation in Florida where they're really riding the top two lines. I mean, in one game last week, AJ, I saw them just go with two lines for about 10 minutes of a third period there so they got tons of action and well over 20 minutes a game across the board so those are the situations that i'm looking for teams that have something to play for are teams where i'm going to look at for my dfs value what say you yeah so with goalies uh for me i'm i'm all about matchups it doesn't really matter to me um whether it's you know a guy on a on a team like florida or a guy uh, on montreal you know for me it really depends on who they're playing on a night-to-night basis now granted you probably get um better value if you get florida in a good matchup uh and take montembeau or uh versus price who's going to cost you a little bit more so that is certainly a factor there uh on that end in terms of uh you know skaters i definitely look our listeners know how much I love scouring the AHL ranks to find guys to use there. And so I'm definitely uh, all in on trying to pick up guys uh, that are taking on bigger roles, perhaps due to injuries, stuff like that. You know, two names I'll just toss off right at this top. Teddy Bluger, 
for uh, Buffalo, or I'm sorry, for Pittsburgh rather, and Alex Nylander for Buffalo, uh, two guys who are getting some extended looks, some good play time. You know, there have been a couple of uh, guys that signed with Detroit on entry-level deals. I don't think their minutes are really going to warrant giving them uh, some looks in DFS, but it certainly wouldn't rule out the option there. So uh, that's kind of it for me. You know, goalies, it doesn't change. Uh, I like to pick and choose my matchups. Uh, and then, yeah, skaters, I do definitely try and target uh, maybe some lesser known guys whose uh, ownership, you know, is going to be lower. Their price tag is going to be lower. So that's how I roll with it. But, uh, you know, before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer those for you. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Schultz 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, and with that, let's go through each of the 31 teams and see what's new. Uh, beginning with Anaheim, they went 3-1 and one last week. Uh, not much to play for out there on the left coast, but some good news, encouraging news, that John Gibson continues to have what I think is an outstanding season for a guy who's on a non-playoff team. He's had a wonderful year, picked up uh, three wins last week, nine goals against is the total in four outings, so that's a pretty good average of about two, two and a quarter per game, keeping the, the puck out of the net with regularity. Up front, Ryan Getzlaff, two goals and four helpers. He's now playing with Nick Ritchie and Daniel Sprong, so you look at the, the price tags on those two fellas, and you might see some good DFS value there over there. Meanwhile, Corey Perry is playing with Adam Henrique and Troy Terry on a second line as they're trying to se- spread the scoring. I think that's a good good plan there and uh, next year it'll be uh, the plan will be to try and keep Corey Perry healthy and then beyond that I'm looking at Jacob Larson a young defenseman playing with Cam Fowler has three points in six games this guy has a bit of an offensive upside but paired with Fowler you know he does and so being on the ice with a guy who kind of drives that offense is going to have some ancillary value for the guy who plays on his flank it's kind of the sidekick theory on the blue line AJ and then Ryan Kessler out with a hip injury he's done for the year and I wonder if this means done for the career He's had a really tough time staying healthy for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I share similar uh, concerns with Kessler there. You know, unfortunately for Anaheim, they've got him for three more years at 6.875 rather uh, million. And so that's that's going to be a heavy price tag to pay. You know, I think even uh, if he is able to come back, I you know, this is just not going to be uh, the same player that I think a lot of uh you know, a lot of fans in Anaheim are used to, uh, you know, at one point for several years, you know, a couple of years in a row, he was a 70 point producer, been upwards of 40 or 50. Uh, but the last two years has just been hampered by injuries. And that has seen uh, his offensive production dry up as well. And so you have to wonder, you know, if he's going to be able to even uh, be a 30 point producer at this at this stage in the game. Uh, you hope so. You want to see him get fully, fully healthy and ready to go. But they certainly raised a lot of questions heading into next season. And uh, in terms of the questions of the Arizona Coyotes, I wonder how they've been re- relevant without their top two centers in the lineup. They're proving me, uh, making a monkey out of me here uh, when I see that <laughs> Derek Steppen and Nick Schmaltz are out of the line. If you take the top two, cent- two centers out of most teams, AJ, and they're lost. But uh, I credit Christian Dvorak mostly for picking up some of the slack there. Brad Richardson is playing the top six minutes, but he's not really scoring. It's Dvorak that's kind of carrying the load in the middle of the ice. But the wingers of note there are the same guys that we've talked about in recent weeks, and that's Clayton Keller and Vinny Hinestrosa. They now Hinestrosa is a 
guy that I like very much, and, and I thought there'd be some value in him because he came out of the Chicago situation, and that means exposure to the likes of pros like Kane and Taves, and so he learned from the best, in my opinion. And he's been on fire of late, so I really see some good value in him going forward. On the blue line, uh, Oliver ekman Larson's picked it up a little bit, and he's one, still one of the premier offensive defensemen in the game. Two goals and one helper last week. The tough blow for them, though. Derek Steppen uh, with a lower body hidden injury. They're hoping to get him back for the playoffs, so there won't be any DFS value the rest of the way in the regular season there. Well, you mentioned Chicago, and it's, it seems like half this roster at one point or another has played uh, for the Blackhawks, and that includes Richard Panic, who uh, you know has really uh, failed to ignite, I think, in the same way that we thought he might. Had 44 points in his last season with Chicago, 35 points splitting time between the two, uh, or I'm sorry, it was two seasons ago, 44, 35 last year, uh, and just 32 so far this year. And I, I think this is, you know, he's settling into his role. Certainly you're not going to complain about having a 30 point guy in your lineup, but I think after that 44, uh, point season in Chicago, when he made the move to Arizona, I think expectations were that he could push for 60, uh, maybe even more in an expanded role. And that really hasn't happened here. And so unfortunately, uh, you know, good value. Um, but I think anybody that bought him, especially high banking on that, that, you know, the increased production after leaving, uh, you know, a star studded Chicago team, uh, is probably looking a little disappointed at this point. Well, and Bruins fans of that juggernaut had to be a little disappointed. Their team actually lost more games than it won for the first time in about three months. And uh, lucky for them, the Leafs are playing just as bad right now. But uh, the top line still humming. Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron doing their thing, picking up uh, five and five and four points uh, respectively last week and the good news for them is that David Pasternak is traveling with the team and should be ready to suit up at some point this week in addition uh, out of the infirmary comes Jake DeBrusque and he'll take his position back on the second line with David Krejci but I'm a little bit concerned and disappointed that Charlie Coyle hasn't really found a fit here AJ as a second line right wing he's produced very little and maybe of the trade deadline acquisitions around the league he might be the the biggest surprise in terms of how he's not uh, really fit in yet and I'm surprised because this guy's a Boston area native and I thought he'd be really excited very productive to to play out here on the blue line there's a bit of another concern with Tory Krug a guy who's driven the the power play as the quarterback there there he's dealing with a bit of a concussion issue and when you pair him with Grzilic and Miller on the blue line who are also day-to-day with Knicks the, the Bruins are pretty banged up at the moment yeah, I mean, this is a team that absolutely needs to get healthy as soon as possible. Like, you know, uh, last week you said uh, you thought they were showing some cracks in, in a team that had been rolling really well and kind of skated by in a few wins. And lo and behold, they drop a couple uh, last week. So definitely a, a good good call by you on that one there. I, I thought you were a little bit nuts to suggest that, if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest. You know, I, I will uh, pick up where you left off in terms of Charlie Coyle. I'm actually not surprised to see it hasn't really worked out uh, super well. You know, there were times in Minnesota where he produced phenomenally in a top line role alongside Eric Stahl. And there were other times where they dropped him down to the fourth line. He, I think he maybe even gotten scratched a handful of times last year. Uh, and just, he goes through kind of slumpy slumps, uh, stretches like this. And so I'm really not all that surprised uh, obviously, I think the key for this team, uh, like it is for most clubs this time of year, is to get healthy. 
Uh, David Pasternak needs to be in the lineup. That allows them to move a, a Danton Heinen, who's been somewhat productive for them, uh, but move him into a, a different role, spread out the scoring. Marcus Johansson out as well. Uh, so really, uh, I think it's all about whether or not they can get healthy. And at this point, if, if they don't, uh, you know, soon enough, I, I think it could honestly be a short series with Toronto, which sounds insane to say. But if they're this banged up on the blue line, I think the Leafs might eat them alive. Wow, from your lips to God's ears, that's all I can say for Leaf Nation fans. It's quite the opposite talk here going on in the city with that projection going in reverse. We'll get to that later, perhaps. But in Buffalo, another Adams Atlantic Division team, rather, you mentioned Alex Nylander gets the call up, and he's going to get top six minutes right away, AJ. And it's time, high time that they find out what this guy has in the tank and, and what he can show at the NHL level, because we know his brother signed the big deal in Toronto, and this guy is right there in terms of being a top draft pick a couple of years ago and really injury plagued throughout his career at Rochester he gets a chance to play with Evan Rodriguez who's a surprise at me to me that he still holds on to the second center role ahead of Casey Middlestadt we've talked at length about how the the youngster has had a real tough time fitting in uh, to the NHL Connor Sheary and Vladimir Sabotka I think are interesting depth guys on the left wing they have more depth on the left side than most most teams in the NHL so that's a real asset for them but uh, to me, this team has taken some steps and uh, they've got a few more to go before they're relevant uh, going forward. Yeah, you know, I, I think expectations were a little higher this year, especially with the strong start that they had to the season. Um, but you have guys uh, that are taking a, a little bit longer to develop. It's way too early to say anything in terms of, uh, you know, not living up to expectations for both Middlestat and Darlene, uh and Alex Nylander as well. It's it's too early to evaluate their careers at this point. But I think expectations were certainly higher than what all three of those guys have offered. Um, but they'll get there. There's still time. And I think it's a good sign for the future. Uh, on the flip side, Vladimir Sabaka, I think we can certainly call him a bust of, a, of an acquisition at this point. He has not panned out for them in the slightest. Uh, coming off that, that 31-point uh, season with St. Louis, I think uh, there was you know, talk that he could fit a top six role, potentially you know, hit uh, 40. That hasn't happened. And then Carter Hutton has really not done what they expected him to do in terms of the net minding here. Uh, he's, he did at least match his win total from last season, but he's played in 12 more games this year than he did last year. So uh, some disappointing acquisitions, some guys that didn't really uh, you know, light things up as well as I think the Sabres faithful might have wanted them to. So while there's definitely good signs uh, for the future, I do think there are still a handful of issues for this team to address long term. And Jeff Skinner's contract status is, is definitely one of those as well. And in Calgary, the story right now in the short term is about the injury list. Sam Bennett, Sean Monahan, and James Neal all out. We talked about Neal last week, and he's getting closer to a return. The other two guys are pretty short term. Uh, Monahan dealing with a bit of an illness situation, but he's a game time decision tonight, so be wary of that in DFS play. And Sam Bennett, much the same thing. Not really an illness, but an injury uh, makes him questionable for tonight's start. So keep an eye on those situations. In terms of the rest of the news about Calgary. David Riddich uh, regained the control of the net. Uh, he's got three wins in his last three appearances with eight goals against in total. 
Mark Giordano picks up four assists to remain uh, the front runner, I'll say, in the Norris Trophy race. Johnny Goodrow keeps chugging along with or without Monaghan. Seven points last week. And uh, Matthew Tuchuk has ridden uh, a real revelation, uh, AJ. One of the types of players that you got to love him if he's a teammate. But you'd hate to play against him because he's such a super pest. But he scores and with regularity as well as some of the extracurriculars. Three goals and three assists last week make him one of the top point producers. And I think this guy's a future captain material uh, in this town. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that assessment, Paul. Uh, you know, the, he's the type of guy you you cheer when he's on your team and you boo when he's on the other team, but certainly uh, produces on the ice. You know, I think this team has been probably the biggest surprise of the year, um, but unfortunately they really can't let off the gas and they need to stay healthy if they're going to avoid dropping uh, to second place in the Pacific Division, uh, which, you know, that's a matter right now, first place uh, in that division gets the pleasure of playing right now Arizona I think that would be a five maybe six game series whereas second place in the Pacific has to play the Vegas Golden Knights and that almost certainly would be a seven game series uh if if not shorter in in the opposite favor for your for your team and so really uh there's a lot on the line and they need to be as healthy as possible while Bennett and Monaghan and even Neil whose production has been down uh won't really impact the top of the lineup it is definitely going to stretch you know their third line's got uh Alan Quinn who's kind of untested Mark Jankowski and Austin Sarnek so a handful of young guys uh, who will need to step up if those guys continue to miss any time. And really, you're talking about stretching uh, your depth here for a club that for much of the year has had three quality scoring lines, and you're starting to see that condensed down to two. And in Carolina, we're talking still about one of the hottest teams in the second half of the season. They've really rallied around this bunch of jerks thing. And uh, the guy who gets credit for it, Justin Williams, the captain here, this guy is a playoff performer. He knows how important this time of year is to get ready for the postseason. And the, the Canes are in a fight for their playoff lives, game in, game out. And this has been a real, real rallying cry, this whole post-game celebration thing that they do and how creative it's been and how engaged the fans are. So credit to him on that score. And he is remaining fantasy relevant because he's also playing first line minutes on the right wing so doing it all right now in Carolina and another guy who's picked, been picked up in the wake is uh, Hamilton on defense Dougie Hamilton seven points in his last nine games played he's kind of had an up and down season AJ but the, we got to remember this guy still has all the requisite tools to be a, a dominant force on the back end and he's showing it right now so you can get him a little bit cheaper than you might otherwise and I think there's a, a lot of value in him the way Carolina's playing right now and speaking of a lot of value the way they're playing right now Peter Morazic in his last eight games in net a total of only 13 goals against he's locked it down in the nets and uh, boy a uh, cheap value there in terms of goalie uh, goalie price and dfs uh, compared to some of the name recognition types that we're used to mentioning yeah absolutely and uh, for carolina cheap value as well as they're only paying him 1.5 million dollars this season so that's a steal for them uh, uh you know financially as well I think the best uh, thing that's happened to this team is the acquisition of Nino Niederreiter and not just for what he's been able to do because he has, uh, you know, solidified his spot. He's playing very well, having made the move from Minnesota, 22 points in 25 games. But what it allowed them to do is move Sebastian Ajo to center and get Jordan Stahl out of that top line center role. I've said this repeatedly that I love Jordan Stahl as a player. I think he's a phenomenal talent for them, but he is not a first line center. Uh, that's just the case. That's just where his game's at. 
And he seems to be doing very well with Andrei Svechnikov and Tivo Teravainen in the second line role. And so really, uh, this has really allowed them uh, to put together some different combinations here down the stretch that are working really well. And then you've got a guy like Michael Furland, uh, who's produced phenomenally uh, uh, capable of being in a third line spot. So suddenly uh, it's a very... Uh, spread out scoring team. I felt like they were a little top heavy earlier in the year, um, but they've been able to kind of adjust and solidify that central role by, uh, by moving Aho over. And in Chicago, the story continues to be the offense here, clicking at a high rate. Uh, Corey Crawford certainly finding his game, too. We talked about Mrazek. How about Corey Crawford? In fi- his last five games, all wins, a total of only seven goals against. Some young players are really uh, helping the offense out. Brandon Perlini and Alex Dabrinkat with seven and five points over the past week. That means three lines here are firing as they've really spread it out offensively. And it's worth noting on the blue line that while I, I picked on Brent Seabrook a little bit, I'm noticing his ice time has dropped dramatically actually over the 20 plus minutes he's used to getting. He's now in the mid-teens, so a bit of a cutback there. But a guy who's picking up the slack big time is Eric Gustafsson, who's paired with Duncan Keith and producing regular offense and playing upwards of 22, 23 minutes a game. So that might be some good DFS value there on the black end for the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, and you can't talk about the Hawks right now without uh, giving some love to Corey Crawford. Since coming back from that that second concussion, he's six one and one, a uh, two point four five goals against average, uh, and really uh, is playing phenomenally right now. Had a little bit of a hiccup with the three goals allowed uh, against Vancouver in that overtime loss, but you're talking about uh, you know six straight games in which he's earned his team at least a point. And for a while there, you know, especially when he got hurt. It seemed like uh, all of us, myself included, were kind of writing uh, Chicago off uh, for being a playoff team this year. And they're only four points out now. So, uh, you know, 10, 10 games to go. They'll see what they can do. They're probably going to need some help, you know, from Arizona, Minnesota, Colorado uh, to all kind of drop some games here. So it's no easy task, but uh, for a team that was definitely written off, especially in my book, uh, earlier in the season, they could still make the playoffs. And that's I don't think that's ever a team you want to play, uh, given the guys they have at the top of the lineup. And in Colorado, this team went one and two. They're on the fringe, really hanging on by fingernails. And I give credit uh, for them hanging on to guys at the high end of the roster. Tyson Barry, two goals, one assist from the back end, playing a ton of minutes there and really uh, having a fine offensive season. They took a tough blow, though, when Gabriel Landeskog went down. He's de- uh, dealt with an up- dealing with an upper body injury that's going to cut the rest of his season out. So there's no DFS value for him. And, and in season long, you've got a real tough issue here in keeper leagues and playoffs coming up if you can't afford to keep him this is a tough guy to cut but you might have no choice Derek Broussard is a guy that's likely going to take up his minutes on the right wing on that top line so look for him to see a bit of a spike in production going forward and finally we're seeing something out of Philip Grubauer AJ we expected him to have a greater share of the net this season in Colorado he's starting to play more solidly of late and starting to really show what uh, the abs had hoped from him much earlier in the season it might be a little too little too little too late yeah absolutely um you know from their long-term standpoint i think the fact that grubauer is starting to show uh what they were hoping for might give them the comfort that they need to move on from Simeon varlamov in the offseason and, and let him go uh, but that's something that they'll you know have to make that decision a little bit down the road uh you know you mentioned landis being out 
some other kind of, you know, long-term injury guys that are impacting them right now. Matt Nito would definitely be a depth guy that would help them out. Lately, they've been lining up seven defensemen. Uh, Vladislav Kamenov is out as well. He's been gone uh, since early December. And so uh, some long-term injuries that are impacting them and just, you know, this club, as we talked all season long, doesn't have the depth uh, really to begin with. We, you know, even with Landeskog, we said this wasn't a deep team and they just don't have the depth to weather the storm here, which is why you're seeing uh, a guy like Ryan Graves, a, a defenseman filling out that fourth uh, pairing because they really don't have a ton of better options. Uh, and I would be shocked if this team was able to make the playoffs at this point, just because of the teams around them that are playing really well. The fact that they're uh, already on the outside looking in. And, and I think that Landeskog injury is just going to be too big to overcome. And in uh, Columbus, we're talking about a team that kind of wasn't on the playoff bubble. I think they still are, but they have a real good shot at going through because of their recent play. They were 2-1-1 one, and one last week, and it's the stars and big players that are leading the way here. Bobrovsky in the Nets allowed seven goals in his last five starts, but when you consider four of those goals were in one game, he's been pretty much lights out uh, of late and uh, coming up with a kind of a soccer goal he goals against uh, in recent games. Uh, offensively, on the blue line, Wierenski has four points points in four games played you know he's had a steady year but it's the guys up front on the offense that are really picking things up Anderson and Jenner with five and four points respectively and the Ottawa imports from the trade deadline Dzingle and Duchesne are both also starting to produce here with some regularity so that gives you some more depth on this roster and I've always said I like the size of this team and if they can crash and bang in the playoffs with a bend and like I think they can I think they're going to be a real tough out yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to these last couple of weeks, and they're going to have to take advantage of the opportunities they have in terms of picking up points. They've got some tough matchups coming up. They're at Calgary, at Nashville, then home games against the Islanders in Montreal. But they also have road games against Edmonton, Vancouver, and Buffalo. And so those are three opportunities uh, where they're going to need to pick up points. I think if they don't walk away with six points uh, in those three road games, you may be in a situation where they bought heavy at the deadline and missed the playoffs, which would be an abject disaster uh, for this team. You know, Ryan Zingle picked up an injury. His status tonight uh, is a little bit uh, unclear. Uh, you know, he wasn't at practice yesterday, and so it could just be, uh, you know, Tortorella called him dinged up. It's hard to know exactly what that means. So that would really hurt them as well. Nick Felino has also been out uh, away from the team due to a personal issue. And so uh, there's some questions around that as well. So we'll see how this all shakes out for them. But uh, they're going to have to really pick up the points uh, and be, you know, the, at their absolute best heading down to the stretch. And to your point, that all starts and stops with Sergei Bobrovsky. And in Dallas, uh, they, their goaltending has been a bit of a state of flux of late with Bishop's lower body injury. He's day-to-day, -day and he's going to suit up tonight, but there's some question about whether he starts or not. No matter there, though, because Anton Kudobin, who I, I highlighted is probably one of the best backups in hockey, has allowed only seven goals against in his last four starts. So really, the, the net mining is in capable hands either way, in my opinion, as the team defense is keeping this team in the hunt. The name that keeps pop popping up offensively for me on the left wing, on the top line, Rupe Hintz, four goals last week, continues to drive the offense and formed an excellent part partnership with Tyler Sagan, allowing them to drop Ben to the second line and create a second unit around him. And on the back end, John Klingberg continues to tick and bop uh, with three goals, uh, three assists 
last week. He's been a very steady producer and a power play quarterback of some note. We gets to play with some pretty high-end forwards, so pretty good DFS value play there on a nightly basis for the Stars. Yeah, and I think the best news for them right now is that, you know, Matt Zuccarello is going to practice with the team. He's going to join them on the road trip. Now, obviously, uh, that doesn't indicate for sure that he's going to be playing uh, right away here. But the fact that he's at least going to start practicing and skating will allow him to come back sooner rather than later. Um, I think you, you know, whether they rush him back is going to depend on where they are in the standings. If they're comfortably in the top wild card spot, I don't think you see him really rushed into action, but obviously uh, they need all the help they can get. You, you know, you mentioned uh, Rupe Hintz has really stepped up and produced for them of late, but certainly uh, getting a guy like Zuccarello back in the lineup would be huge for them and is really going to determine if and how far they make it into the postseason. Well, and Detroit uh, read something, some news on Mike Green that was at, at first a little bit scary, to be honest with you. He's de- dealing with a liver virus, AJ, but by all accounts, it's not deemed uh, life-threatening or serious, but it is serious enough to keep him out for the rest of action this year, and that means some youngsters are going to get a look on the back end. We'll get to a couple of those names, too. But uh, good news, uh, Dylan Larkin back as the number one center. Uh, and uh, Darren Helm is the new left winger on that top line, so newly configured, but with Larkin driving it again, he was playing at a high level before he went down, and I expect him to get a chance to resume that. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on, you mentioned a couple of guys from the university ranks and, and uh, minor leagues on a regular basis. I'll throw in the name of Taro Hyros, a Michigan State grad who recently signed and will suit up as a left winger in the coming days. He's got to be excited, still playing in, in the state of Michigan, and... Uh, should see some good action uh, on the top two scoring lines if not the third which is a fairly good unit as well Andreas Athanasio has continued a breakout year now playing in a center role on the second line he's really trying to find a home uh, in in this offense but I definitely think you're going to see him as a key part of their offense going forward as in, in a top six role just to determine whether he plays at center or wing is is up in the air. Another name out of Princeton getting an audition is Ryan Kuffner. He's going to be uh, on a right wing at the third line position. So we'll keep an eye on on Kuffner and High Rose as as the the wings go a little bit off the board in terms of what their tr- usual blueprint is in terms of sending the, their kids down to Grand Rapids. I'm surprised that these guys are getting uh, straight into the NHL from the college ranks. Well, you know, a lot of that, uh, you know, development had to do with the veteran guys that Detroit always had on their team, and they were always a good team. Uh, Now that they're down a little bit more, uh, I think it makes sense to give these guys at least a a partial look this year uh, and then worry about where to, you know, send them next year. I think Kuffner's probably the more likely of the two uh, to produce. He already made his his debut for them. He played just over seven minutes, but nearly two of that came on the power play, which I think is a role that you'll see him out there uh, just so they can kind of get him acclimated and figure out uh, how best to utilize him. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Mike Green being out. You also have Trevor Daly uh, and Jonathan Erickson dealing with injuries as well. And so that uh, is going to give, you know, Luke Wit- Witkowski, Philip Harnick, uh, Madison Bowie all looked, even Brian Lashoff as well. So uh, some, you know, three major players who eat up a ton of minutes for them normally are out of the lineup right now. Uh, and they'll continue to see what they have in terms of youngsters here as they kind of build uh, for the future and figure out what this team's going to look like in the you know years ahead. 
Okay, I'm going to try and give a positive spin on what's going on in Edmonton. Uh, it's been a challenge for much of the season, AJ. They went 2-2 two and two last week. Leon Dreisaitl's had an amazing year uh, in the shadows of, of uh, Connor McDavid. He doesn't really get the accolades that I think he deserves for the outstanding season he's enjoyed. Five more points in the bank last week. On the blue line, Matt Benning picked up three goals and one assist. Don't expect that every week. So if you had him last week, you probably got him very cheap and you might still get him cheap going forward but the more encouraging news is oscar clefbaum ready to resume uh, a key role at the back end uh driving this offense picked up three helpers there up front uh, i'm a little bit of a head scratcher when i look at the configuration of that top line around mcdavid milan lucic and zach cassian are his wingers that's going to give him a lot of space i'm not sure about the hands on those two guys uh, that we've seen on a regular basis this season but we'll see how she goes and uh, the guy that i'd like to see here get a, a bigger role is sam gagne uh, he's not had a regular look on a scoring line yet he's picked up 10 points in 22 games played since he was called up uh, in the second half here with lesser roles so here's a guy with some scoring touch that might deserve a shot at a top six role here well, in terms of lines for this club the rest of the way, I think Ken Hitchcock is just going to throw darts at a dartboard and try and figure out if anything sticks or, or makes sense. So I expect this to be all over the board. Uh, I think, you know, you look at it right now, down the middle, you've got McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see all three of them on the same line, uh, moving Dreisaitl and Hopkins to the, uh, Nugent Hopkins to the wing. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. Uh, as Paul always likes to mention, uh, you know, the, the McDavid effect, uh, you got to know who's going to be on his lines, uh, on his line. I think it's interesting. You know, there were a couple years there where we uh, only had one hundred point guy. I think there was a year recently where we didn't have anybody. Right. Uh, and now we've got three uh, so far this year. Uh, there's a handful of guys that maybe could get there down the stretch, uh, but only one of those three guys is on a playoff bound team right now. Uh, Kucherov being the leader there, McDavid and Patrick Kane being the other two. And so I find it interesting uh, that there's these guys that are able to produce at these levels on teams that just can't figure out wins the rest of the way. And it just goes to show uh, no team can do it with any one player. And you really need to be able to build out some additional lines and some additional depth on your team. And in Florida, boy, they could use some depth on their team. When you think about the fact that they, I mentioned off the top, they're playing the heck out of their top two lines right now, and they're really getting excellent production from the top unit that features Alex Barkov. 15 points in his last six games, AJ. A remarkable pace, but that guy's got to be exhausted based on the playing time that I'm seeing out of him. Similar thing for Jonathan Huberdeau, 13 points in that same span. Tremendous DFS value from both of them. I mentioned Simon Montembeau finally lost his first game in regulation in his sixth start. He's had a great debut in the Nets for Florida, and certainly they're going to be looking at revamping the net mining situation. And this is a name that didn't figure to be in the mix, but off what he's done, he deserves a long, long look. And uh, another offensive star of late, Mike Hoffman, has had an under, uh, under-the-radar type year, but another two goals and one helper. He's been a very consistent producer where, wherever he's been, Ottawa as well, but just not getting the accolades. So really, a sneaky DFS value play, I think, going forward. Absolutely. And I, I do think um, this third line, if given a little bit more ice time, is capable of producing uh, Dryden Hunt, maybe the, the least experienced of these guys. But Riley Shahan and Troy Bauer definitely know how to score. Now, both are, are prone to slumps uh, periodically. The problem is uh, 
beyond that, the fourth line uh, isn't going to offer you much, uh, you know, in terms of production. So it, it certainly makes sense why they're riding those top two lines uh, so heavily in terms of usage as they try, you know, to maybe uh, factor in here. They're they're a long ways out. They're probably, you know, not not going to make it there. There's uh, eight points out from Columbus, so I think it's a little bit of a, a stretch to call this a playoff team. But there's plenty of games left. I would imagine once the math stops working out, you maybe see a little bit more even rotation from them. Uh, but for the time being, uh, if you can utilize these guys in, in DFS or season long, I think you absolutely have to um, just because they are getting just so many opportunities to, to score points. And in Los Angeles, much like their season, I have uh, two negative notes and one positive note here. And that kind of tells the tale of what's gone on in L.A. They went 0-2 in a quiet week last week. But uh, topping the news for me, Ilya Kovalchuk was actually sat out by the coach on Saturday. Uh, the comeback's not working here. I've mentioned it once before, and really, they've got a real problem on their hands with the money they're putting out for this guy who is not putting out for them. I'll say that right out front. And then Brandon Leipzig, uh, former Leaf farmhand, was benched for a game. This guy had, had weeks where he was getting top six minutes. The coach wants some defensive responsibility to be part of his game, but he's kind of one of these guys that flies the zone when team, the team is breaking out and really makes them shorthanded in, in that situation. And I'm seeing that a lot, of, that a lot around the league, uh, teams uh, having wingers flying the zone early. What happened to this, uh, the old-fashioned breakout where everybody comes back into their defensive end and helps out the blue liners? Uh, in terms of a positive note here, Carl Grundstrom, another former Leaf farmhand, I mentioned how he took the took LA by storm, scoring in his first couple of games. He's he's uh, getting left wing minutes on the top line with the other two guys that I mentioned being uh, bust material right now. Well, and one other guy to kind of keep an eye on um, is Austin Wagner. Now, I, I, I get he's slotted in for. Uh, a fourth line role right now, but he's coming back from a, a bit of an injury, uh, missed four games, got a goal in his first game back, has been quiet in the two cents. But I think uh, he's somebody that could maybe get additional looks down the stretch uh, as they try and figure out what this lineup is going to look like on a night to night basis. Uh, there's there's plenty of uh, opportunities here to pick and choose some guys. Obviously, matchup is going to be key, um, but there there may be some contrarian picks uh, sitting out here in terms of guys that you could use for a pretty low price tag on a on a nightly basis. So definitely uh, a team to watch in in terms of that. Paul kind of mentioned that off the top is you know non playoff teams. There there are still guys that you can use again depending on matchup. If you know if they're playing another non playoff team, it might be an opportunity to to snag somebody from the Kings for pretty cheap. And in Minnesota, this team is hanging on by their fingertails to playoff contention despite a key injury at center and loss of Miko Koivu. Uh, on the back end, uh, they're getting a great performance out of Jared Spurgeon. Nobody mentions him in terms of top-scoring blue liner, but he's, he's there year in, year out as a kind of a, a dark horse value play. And uh, two more power play goals in the bank for him last week. Uh, despite logging consistent minutes up front, a Aberg has only three points in 14 games played, yet AJ doesn't care for me calling him pointless. With his skills, <laughs> he should be way more productive. I'll, I'll repeat that. It's been my point all along. While this team's fading down the stretch, I want to give kudos, though, to Devin Dubnik in the Nets, who once again will reach the 30-win plateau, it seems, as he's at 28 right now. And I didn't see that coming, so uh, tip of the hat to him for another decent season in the, in the Nets. Well, when you play as many games a year as he does, you probably should 
reach 30. He's already at 60. Uh, he'll probably get to 61 tonight and, and could pick up a few more here. Um, you know, I don't know that he'll quite get to 67, which is his career high, um, but it wouldn't be out of the question, especially if they're fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, and so I, th- I think, uh, you know, to get to that mark is, is, is pretty impressive, but we should also note that he's got 24 losses on the year, which is just two away from matching a, another career high, which came in that 67 game played uh, season. So uh, it's easy to rack up wins when you're in the pipes every single night uh, on a good team, obviously. Uh, so uh, I'm a little less impressed by the 30 wins and, and a little more concerned by the 24 losses at this point. In Montreal, this is a team that's uh, doing a bit of a fade out here with five losses in their last seven games played. The problem has been at center, folks. Uh, Max Domi, only three points in his last eight games. Ditto for Deneau, only three assists. And they're the top two centers who are supposed to drive this offense, really failing at that uh, responsibility. Why even uh, defenseman Brett Kulak has uh, three assists in his last eight games. And nobody's going to mistake him for one of the offensive dynamos on the blue lines around the league. And then another uh, disappointing note, Jonathan Drouin is now pointless in his last eight games. Maybe I'll start to call him Pontus Drouin. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, there's plenty of blame to go around here. You've got a guy in Arturi Lekkanen who uh, I think a lot of people expected to eventually be a 20-goal scorer for them. He's got one goal in his last 34 games. Uh, and may miss out on the 10 goal mark at this point. Uh, we'll have to see how, you know, how he performs down the stretch. But despite his struggles, they continue to use him in a top six role. And a lot of that speaks to a, a lack of other options. You know, they've got plenty of guys up right now, but they seem content to, to roll with, a, you know, Paul Byron, Nate Thompson and Jordan Wheel in that that fourth line role. Uh, I think they'd be better suited uh, to put, you know, Lekkanen in, uh, in the third line, move Druin up. You know, maybe at this point you have to consider using, uh, you know, moving Kotkanemi uh, over to wing and, and or moving Domi over to wing and putting those guys together on, on a line. I think there's uh, some more shuffling that needs to happen. And that's saying a lot because I don't normally call for line shuffling. I like consistency, guys playing with the same people every night. I think it you know bodes well to get that consistency but this is a team that needs to try something else because as paul highlighted there have been problems down the middle uh, but the wingers aren't doing them any favors either and in nashville you know i early on in the season i had a difficult time finding things to nitpick about the predators in much the same way as we have with the lightning all season but of late the center position has been a real concern here, AJ. Cal Tourist sat out by uh, the coach on Saturday, a coach's decision. They got to get this guy's game in order because uh, if not, if the center, second line center role falls to Nick Bonino. And you, even as a fan of him from his days in Pittsburgh, will concede that's not his game. He's got 30 points in 72 games played. They need more out of that position than that point total uh, shows. And Cal Tourist is right there with him. I've also talked about Ryan Johansson's playmaker. But, playmaking ability sure he's almost 50 assists but the guy's got only 11 goals and you spoke off the top about looking at matchup issues well the Leafs come into town in Tampa in uh, Nashville tonight and their top two centers have 74 goals to date so uh, I know the optimizer I'll tip that hand early is is one thing that's looking at the Leafs uh, Nashville matchup and that center position is really one of the highlights that we'll touch on later 
Well, again, you know, you talk about the problems at center. There's problems on the wing right now as well. Uh, you know, they brought in Wayne Simmons, who is having a, a really strong year. He's got just one assist in eight games uh, played for them. I am not totally surprised by that when you consider that his ice time in Nashville is actually over two minutes lower than what he was getting in Philadelphia. And so I, I think they're almost running into a, a situation where they've got too many options in terms of who to play, which is why you're seeing Kyle Turris get sat, you know, Brian Boyle. I think uh, that was a big price tag for a guy that you're going to put in a fourth line, uh, you know, left wing spot. Uh, when they brought him in, I would have expected him to be taking on more. I think Miko Granlin's probably the, the one kind of bright spot right now in terms of those acquisitions that they made. Uh, and so hopefully they can get the rest of these guys going as well uh, and, and kind of figure it out. Because, yeah, to your point, Paul, uh, it seems like uh, there's, they're starting to show some cracks here. And in New Jersey, boy, talk about cracks. They, they have a the glass ceiling has shattered all over these guys uh, with a mess of uh, names on the on the injured list right now to the point where the wing, top two wingers on bo- both flanks are are not name recognition types Blake Coleman Kenny Agostino on the left side Stefan Noison and Cal Palmieri on the right and in the middle Travis Ajak and Kevin Rooney did not project to be the first two centers here so it's a real lack of depth and uh, owing to the injury list it's it's a disaster here and I'm looking for goalie wins when I when I pick a goalie who faces the Devils going forward I think the only offensive highlight that I can point to is the second D pairing made up of a couple of college uh, types from the United States who graduated to the NHL recently and Connor Carrick and Butcher three assists each last week but uh, other than that not too much in a positive way to report here in New Jersey well you talked about all the forward injuries and, and the impact that's had you know they've got uh, you know Mirko Mueller is out Sammy Vatnin is out Igor Yakov uh, Yakovlev is out as well uh, and so you're seeing a really rather uh, you know unutilized i won't say untested because they have played some games but an unutilized uh, third pairing in colton white and steve santini uh, who spent much of the season as a healthy scratch uh, and so while there are some guys on the blue line that are doing okay there this is a really thin team and, and paul you're absolutely right i think uh if if you're not using the goalie going up against new jersey it's because you're concerned about ownership in that game and and that's really about it because they will probably give up more wins uh than any other team down the stretch uh, unless they can get healthy here and the storybook season continues on the island as the New York Islanders are now uh, coming off a 3-1 and week, another winning week for them. Thomas Grice has been the story in the Nets recently, picking up three wins and a shutout in his last four games, only a total of five goals against there. Robin Leonard should be back uh, soon after overcoming an upper body injury, so the goaltending is in capable hands, but make sure you get the right guy in the Nets there. The win probability is high for this team right now. Anders Lee continues to drive the offense, picking up four goals last week and he has not missed a beat despite missing his uh, longtime center who is now toiling in Toronto as uh, everybody knows with a healthy defense I'm surprised that Johnny Boychuk is losing playoff uh, playing time here experience that he brings and a big shot it's missing from the lineup but uh, he's fallen from grace I guess he used to be partnered with Nick Letty who's got his game in order now the gig with Letty has gone to Scott Mayfield a shot blocker of some renown he's got 14 points 
14 and a, uh, I mean 18 points, sorry, in 69 games played. Not a great total, but I think as long as he's playing with Letty, that total should rise going forward. Well, and there's some shuffling going on in, in the top six here. It looks like Andrew Ladd uh, is going to get a look up there with Josh Bailey uh, down on the third line, you know, and that's obviously due uh, to his struggles of late. He's pointless uh, in his last six games, goalless in his last 10. Uh, and so he's really starting to struggle. Now he is uh, getting power play ice time uh, as you know, he's still getting that. So not a complete a loss in terms of whether you would want to use him on fantasy but on the flip side might be an opportunity to look at Andrew Ladd who uh, has been uh, you know a healthy scratch periodically he missed a good chunk of the season due to injury as well um, but this might be a chance for him uh, you know to play top six minutes and perhaps uh, put up some production and in New York we're looking at the auditions that are ongoing here and it's interesting to note that Alexander Georgiev is actually splitting games with Henrik Lundqvist over the last couple of weeks gaining valuable experience at the hand of the at the feet of the master there but only getting middling results so far I'm expecting more from him as this team develops but maybe that's a function of of the environment that he finds himself in more than a knock on him I've seen him play some good games but uh, getting a lot of shots on goal a bit of an issue there with a the la- loose defense in terms of other names to, of, to, no- to note here Buknevich uh, is impressing at right wing on the top line he's got five goals in his last eight games they're expecting this guy to be a centerpiece of the offense and he's showing why of late and after being a healthy scratch in one game recently Anthony D'Angelo had been on a nice run well he resumed it again with picking up a pair of assists in his last three games and a pairing with Mark Stahl who really insulates him in terms of being one of the top defensive defensemen in the league there's a handful of guys here that you know if you're looking for uh, you know some depth pickups here that maybe depending on their role might might be able to help you and that's Lias Anderson Connor Brickley and Boone uh, Boone Eves. Uh, I think all of these guys can be options, uh, but they have to be in the lineup right now. Brickley and Neves are not Elias Anderson is. So you definitely want to monitor, keep an eye on that. Um, I, I think an injury to Philip Cheeto could uh, factor in that, whether or not uh, he's going to be healthy enough. It sounds like he's doubtful t- for tonight. So one of these other guys could get a look. Uh, now I'm not going to tell you they're going to, you know, blow you away with a ton of points. Uh, looking more as depth guys that maybe uh, could do something for you and, and just something to watch. So to give you know our listeners a little bit of different options out there, if you need a, a late pickup in season long, if you want to go a really low cost guy in DFS, uh, these are some names just to consider. And in Ottawa, the Anders Nilsson show continues to draw rave reviews here. He's got allowed only seven goals against in his last four games played. I think it's safe to say the Sens may have found their goalie of the future as he's getting a larger share of the net over veteran Craig Anderson right now. Uh, Problem up front uh, has occurred with the neck injury to Colin White. It's not considered serious, but uh, as long as they're missing him, they're missing one of the top playmakers on their roster here. So tough blow for them. So one of the guys, a couple of guys are picking up the slack there offensively. Brian Gibbons making the most of his recent opportunity with three goals and one helper in his last seven games. And Magnus Pijarvi has four goals in his last two games played versus Toronto. Uh, nothing else in between an 18-game sp- span there. So I'm thinking they're going to look for fitting him for blue contact lenses to get his game in order on a more consistent basis. Bobby Ryan continues to slump with only two assists in his last 14 games played. You can forget about uh, an off-season deal to move this guy. I don't think any team will go near him with a 10-foot pole. 
Well, one guy who has been able to, uh, you know, finally seemingly put his game together, and maybe it's long term, maybe it's short term, but that's Anthony Duclair. Uh, six points in 11 games. Little surprising to see that coming out of him. You know, we've bagged on him for for much of our our four years together. Uh, you know, due to his own fault there, um, but maybe he's finally found a home here and can make that work. Uh, but this is another club where these lines are are fluid to say the least, and I expect things to to shift, guys to go up, guys to go down. Uh, as they try and figure out, you know, who's going to be part of this team uh, next season. And in Philadelphia, it's the same old, same old guys that are trying to drag this team into playoff relevance. They were 2-2 two and two last week, and you look at the names of the players that are hot for them. Gostas Bear on the blue line, five points in four games played last week. JVR had a hat-trick against his former Leafs uh, as the former Leafs winger came back to Toronto and picked up three of his five goals on the week. Couturier's been on fire for a long while at center with five points there. And then Claude Giroux leads this offense with six multi-point games in his last 11. They're toying with moving him back to the wing and getting Couturier more ice time with him on one line. Jakub Voracek also getting more minutes of late. I don't know why they dropped this guy to third minutes, third line minutes earlier in the year, but look what he's done lately. 12 points in his last seven games. The offense is on fire in Philadelphia. Yeah, and they, you know they've gotten solid net minding out of Carter Hart. Now I know he's just back from an, an injury, but they seem uh, stuck in a rut in trying to split time between him and Brian Elliott. Which uh, at this point, after the Leafs uh, tore him up for seven goals, I think maybe it's time to stop doing that and just stick with Carter Hart the rest of the way. Again, I understand he was coming back from injury and maybe they wanted to ease him in, uh, but he stopped 41 of 42 shots against Pittsburgh the other night to get a win. Had a little bit of a difficult time against Washington, but I pr- think pretty much every netminder uh, in the league at this point has had the occasional bad night against the Capitals. So nothing to really blame on the youngster there. I think if they're going to make the playoffs, which is by no means guaranteed at this point, uh, they're, they're six points back. Uh, and and really need to start picking some up. But if they're going to do it, it's going to be on the back of Carter Hart, not Brian Elliott. And I think they need to sit the veteran down and just ride their 20-year-old uh, 20, 20 netminder. And, you know, we were a little bit l- delayed getting started this morning. It's it's largely because AJ was w- finishing wiping away, away tears as, uh, <laughs> f- as he thinks about what happened to the center role in uh, Pittsburgh with the news that Evgeny Malkin is injured and he's out week to week, it says, with an upper body hurt. I know you'll have more information than I do on that one, but it looks like Bugsetter Bluger is going to get that plum assignment. In other news, uh, Aston Reese has an upper body injury also out with two, out for two weeks. I wonder what's going on there with these upper body hurts. Meanwhile, Phil Kessel uh, continues to roll along uh, almost a point a game pace on the season for Phil and five more points at the bank last week. So, AJ, what's going to happen in the middle of the ice there? How does, how, what's the outlook for Pittsburgh right now? So I think what you're going to see is they've been really happy uh, with Bugstad and uh, Hornquist making up a third line for them right now. And so I think you're going to see Teddy Bluger get that look with Phil Kessel and a return to Brian Rust, who they just got back on that second line. Now, obviously, that could change, uh, you know, mid-game. Uh, but obviously, I think Bluger gets the first crack at that second line uh, responsibility there. Uh, in terms of, of, you know, Malkin, uh, there was 
uh, an incident. He got kind of cross-checked into the ribs uh, in the game in St. Louis. He did finish the game. Uh, so initial indications were he, he had avoided anything serious, but then uh, a week-to-week designation from there. Obviously, at this point, they just care about having him available uh, that second week of April to return to the lineup. You know, Crosby has been carrying this team for much of the season as it is. I think he'll continue to do so. Uh, and as you said, Phil Kessel, after getting out of that 60 game, uh, gold drought is back, uh, seemingly to, to his old ways and should hopefully, uh, start racking up some points for them. And obviously that top line, Jared McCann and Jake Gunsel with Sid, the kid has been phenomenal as well. So, uh, and, and Latang supposed to be back sooner rather than later as well. Uh, so uh, while Malkin is a big loss, you know, getting Brian Rust back helps uh, a little bit. Obviously, they're not the same player, but um, helps them avoid going deeper down the depth chart there. And then getting Latang back on the blue line to be, you know, key for them. In San Jose, if I said that a San Jose defenseman was leading the league in scoring last week, you'd say, yeah, no surprise. It's either Carlson or Burns, but it's neither one of those guys. Carlson, in fact, on the shelf still with a groin strain. It's Mark Edward Vlasic leading all D-men with six points in four games played last week. A veteran guy finding the range with some regularity. Maybe he knows it's playoff time around the corner and is getting his game in order, but don't expect six points out of him every week. Uh, it's a good thing that he's there, though, right now with Carlson uh, nicked up. And uh, another guy who's finding the, finding the range in the new colors is Gustav Nyquist. Getting comfortable here. Three goals, one helper in his last six games played. Looking like the fine addition that we both thought he would be. And uh, we can't move off San Jose without sending our condolences along to Evander Kane and his wife with the passing of their baby daughter after 26 weeks of life. That's a, that's a real crying shame, and our hearts go out to him. Yeah, that's that's absolutely, you know, uh, devastating to, to hear and to learn about and and really tough, um, you know, to, to kind of think about, especially, you know, for for both you and I, Paul, who both have daughters. Um, so it's a, it's especially tough for us here, you know, and in terms of the on ice thing, I think there's a little bit of a, a concern uh, with Joe Pavelski getting banged up. And, and the fact that they called it a little longer than day to day. Um, you know, a quote from um, Peter DeBoer there, I I think is certainly a concern. Um, But obviously, it sounds like, you know, should still be ready for the for the playoffs and good to go. But I think it's going to give Gustav Nyquist even more opportunity uh, to to continue to solidify his role with the team. He should get first line looks uh, with Pavelski out. Obviously, having Kane uh, back, uh, you know, with the team will will help on that second line role as well. So uh, I, I think they'll be able to weather the storm uh, and should be able to to get back to to where they were. In St. Louis, boy, this is a different team over the second half of the season, more than any other team in the league for me, AJ. Certainly they're struggling with Tarasenko out of the lineup with an upper body injury, but they're managing quite fine as uh, Patrick Maroon and Robert Thomas has really been solid performers as second-line wingers here over the past 10 games, picking up some of the slack left behind by Tarasenko. And even their blue line is getting their game in order. Pietrangelo has had a very steady uh, second half in terms of production, but he's joined by the likes of Colton Pareko, who picked up three assists last week, and Vince Dunn even chipped in with two goals. So they're getting help from everybody, and uh, that's going to make them a formidable foe down the stretch here. Yeah, you know, I think the the biggest thing, uh, you know, is is getting Perron back and and back as a producer, uh, a point in each of his games, uh, back from that that upper body injury, which I'm pretty sure they clarified was a concussion, um, and so having him available 
allows them, you know, I think Robert Thomas can be a solid player in this league and for them for a long time, but I do think he's better suited uh, to be in more of a second line role than, than the top line. And, and David Perron's a, a veteran player who can fill in there. Uh, you know, if they get Tarasenko back here uh, at some point, uh, I think it gives them, you know, really uh, some strong depth here and, and may have to consider moving Thomas down to a third line role, which actually wouldn't be the worst thing for them in terms of potentially having Thomas Sunquist and Steen. I, I bumped Jaden Schwartz off the third line in, in my personal opinion there uh, and really some options for them uh, the rest of the way. And since we last spoke, Andre Vasilevsky's picked up four more wins, AJ. That's not a surprise because this team in Tampa is just continuing to roll along. They're 55, 56, 13, and 4 now after last night's win. Sorry. And uh, they're getting production from everywhere, as you might expect. Uh, Hedman and McDonough each picking up points with regularity, at least three or four points from each of those guys, it seems, every week or so. Uh, Hedman being one of the top-scoring defensemen in hockey in the second half after a sluggish start. Kucherov uh, chimed in for seven more points, but Johnson, Tyler Johnson is a guy that I have a lot of time for and doesn't get a lot of talk in this corner uh, as he might deserve, uh, but there's too many names here. He picked up four goals last week. A bit of a minor concern continues to be the fact that Girardi and Stralman have been nicked up with lower body injuries. These are two top defensive defenders, and you'd like to think that Tampa would like to have them uh, at the top of their game and totally healthy before the season's over. So they're taking their time getting these guys back in the mix, I think. Well, and I think what speaks to how complete of a team this is, is the goal differential plus 96 on the year. You know, you compare that to the next highest Calgary's at plus 50. I mean, that's almost double uh, what the next best team has been able to do. And that's because they've got solid defensemen, solid, solid net mining, and they're able to produce. So, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. This is a team that's clicking on all cylinders. And I think anything short of a uh, a Stanley Cup for them this year is going to be a disappointing season. And in Toronto, look at I've been doing my fair share of weeping too, AJ. Make no mistake about it. This team went one and three last week, giving up more than 20 goals against in those four games terrible defensive structure right now going on when i talked about flying the zone wingers leaving the zone before the breakout has started this is a team that's really a major offender they're they're really hanging their hat on the long breakout passes here and it's cost them uh, with the lack of defensive structure on a positive note on the back end morgan riley became the first defenseman to score 20 goals this season he's got a five goal lead on on the next guy up and that's roman yossi who will face tonight another helper on the blue line is jake muzzin chipping in with two goals and one assist for most of that in the one game that they did win in a shootout over Philadelphia. Austin Matthews with four goals and two assists. Looks like he's getting ready for the postseason at the top of his game, and that's bad news for all comers. In terms of the infirmary, Dermott is on track to be back within two weeks, but Jake Gardner's situation not nearly as possible, uh, positive. He's uh, dealing with a back issue, and anybody who's got a back injury uh, knows that that can be something that could linger for a long, long time, and he's just uh, doing nothing right now to, in the hope that that helps him. Uh, fourth liner, Freddie Gauthier, is out with a foot injury. He'll miss the next two games, so it'll be a Smurf unit on that fourth line as Trevor Moore moves into the middle of the ice, and we'll see how that unit looks. Uh, they were terrible in the first game that they played together so there's nowhere to go but up for them other bit of positive news Casperi uh, Kapanen returns to the lineup from concussion protocol he'll join Kadri and Marlowe on the third line which would be a second line in most NHL uh, depth charts around the league 
Yeah, I definitely have concerns about uh, about the blue line for Toronto right now. You know, uh, yes, Ron Hainsey provides some some defensive stabilizing uh, so that Morgan Riley can get up in the play. Uh, but he's not the fastest skater at 37 years of age. And if you go up against another team with speed, uh, he's going to get burned from time to time. And that, and that's definitely a concern. I think Nikita Zaitsev's lack of production, uh, you know, has, has been a problem as well. Uh, now he started to get it going a little bit with four assists in the last five games, but overall you're looking at just 13 points in 72 games this season. Uh, that's a far cry from the 36 he put up as a rookie two years ago. Uh, and so there's definitely, uh, some holes on this blue line. And again, I, I seem to say this every week, but I can't believe that Paul is disappointed that Jake Gardner is not in the lineup, but I do think uh, that's that's a bad thing for this club right now, and and they're really thin, and they've got some guys I think who are going to be miscast in roles and and could uh, you know lead to some problems heading into the playoffs. That's right. The Boston and Toronto certainly not going in the into that uh, first round matchup on a high note at this point in time. In Vancouver, Hutton and Tanev are nicked up on this blue line here, so they've got their questions on the back end. Quinn Hughes, uh, the much ballyhooed youngster. Uh, did not make his debut yet. Uh, his uh, injury situation causing a concern, nagging bone bruise. That too can be something that can take a bit of a, wh- a while to uh, to uh, get over. But people are waiting for this guy's debut as one of the highly touted prospects that are out there that has yet to set foot in the NHL. Sadly, the IR injury uh, reserve carousel continues here with Antoine Roussel suffering a season-ending knee injury and Ryan Spooner out another week with an undisclosed injury. On the flip side, they get Sven Barchi back from his long IR stint and I don't think it'll be long before he gets back to top six minutes here yeah absolutely I think uh, he will be a top six uh, you know guy for them I expect uh, any number of guys could get bumped out of here you know they're they kind of don't have anybody really established you know right now it's Tanner Pearson and Louis Erickson with Bo Horvat and then Josh Levo uh, is playing with Pedersen or Besser I think Erickson Pearson or Levo could all be options to get bumped from that top spot um, but you know I certainly could see them putting Berchi uh, with Gaudet and Vertanen for kind of a, a strong third line as well but I think you're right that overall uh, top six responsibility will be uh, where they stick him I'm I'm excited to see what you know Quinn Hughes can offer but also Guillermo uh, Brisbaugh and Ashton Sautner I think are both uh, players to watch on the blue line and, and see what they can do as well in Vegas, uh, bad news for them as Marc-Andre Fleury's out with a lower body injury. That means more work for Malcolm Subban with Max Legacy being called up as his backup. So a bit of a situation in the Nets to keep an eye on there since they depend on their uh, one of their team leaders uh, night in, night out, it seems. We also said don't worry about Mark Stone as he gets acclimatized well. He's getting comfortable in Vegas with six points in his last five games played, looking for all the world like the, the premier sniper that uh, he's been throughout his career. Cody Eakin, though, has been a nice bit of news most recently uh, as the third-line center, picking up four points in his last seven games, fast approaching his career high of 40 points. That's a pretty nice thing to have a 40-point guy manning your third-line center role, speaking of the depth here offensively. Speaking of that depth, too, Thomas Nosek, uh, left bringer on that third unit has three points in his last three games after overcoming a lower body injury to round out that third unit so uh, the news is mostly good here but you have to be concerned about the net mining situation with flurry out 
Absolutely. And, and for, for my money, uh, this team doesn't win a series if, if they go into it with Malcolm Subban in, in the pipes. You know, yes, they have a, a talented offensive group that can contribute uh, and, and win the occasional shootout game. They've got a, a pretty unheralded defense that, that limits opportunities, uh, you know, for, for opposing teams. But, I, you know, Malcolm Subban is just not uh, a playoff caliber netminder, in my opinion. Uh, they did, obviously, last year. Uh, they talked about the number of injuries to the net miners and, and guys stepping up and he's a certain, uh, certainly a capable backup in my opinion. Um, but if Mark Andre Fleury is not starting game one of, of that first playoff series, I, I think it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty quick exit for the golden Knights, uh, you know, this season. And in Washington, this team went one and two last week. They've been rolling along pretty good before that bit of a blip. Uh, John Carlson picking up two goals, two assists in his last three games played. Looks like he's ready to continue uh, the key role that he has there as the power play quarterback and uh, the big minute guy and big point producer on the back end. But Dmitry Orlov is a guy that that uh, is deserving of some accolades too. Right there with him, three helpers on the weekend providing, providing stellar work on in both ends of the ice. Carl Haglin is a guy that we've seen jump around a little bit. He's maybe he found a home in Washington. Five points in his last seven games played. He's locked in as the third line left winger here, and that's pretty good depth when you can put a guy in uh, with this guy's skills into that third unit. I want to mention Alexander Ovechkin at 48 goals, leading the league again. Uh, I think he's going to go down as the greatest goal scorer of all time before he's done. I've said it before, age 33, AJ, consider he's now 239 goals behind Wayne Gretzky. We're going to talk about that at some point down the line, but I think he's got a real good shot to top the great one. Well, I don't think anybody else has has a better shot. I, I will certainly put it that way. Uh, you know, he's consistently a, a 50 goal scorer. So, uh, you know, you factor that out. That's another five years, uh, which I think is certainly possible uh, for him to, to play that long. Obviously, you would expect, you know, when he's 37, 38, maybe that goal total drops off a little bit, but uh, it certainly may not as well. Um, so nobody will have a better shot at it, whether he gets there or not. You know, we'll have to wait and see here. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, all your points were, were solid. You know, Hagelin, uh finding a role. Andre Burakovsky, I think, uh, is one player that I, I really have been, uh, you know, a little bit disappointed. And I, I, he shows flashes at, at times. You know, he started March by going three goals uh, in three games uh and then has gone pointless in his last four. And he, you know, his time on ice jumps all over the place from, you know, you look at just his recent games. He played 1438 on February 26th. He played just 732 the next night on March 1st. And so uh, it's really hard to figure out uh, where this guy fits into the lineup, what his role is going to be. Uh, and I think that hampers his ability uh, to consistently produce. I, I think he's capable of it, um, but just hasn't gotten the opportunity. And really, I think he's a player that could benefit uh, from a change of scenery after the season's over. And finally, in Winnipeg, this team went 2-1 and one last week, and Connor Hellebuck is continuing to get the lion's share of the goalie load, as expected. But an alarming trend of high shot totals against is really notable here when I looked at it. He's faced over 40 shots in seven of his last 11 games played. 
that's largely in part to the disarray on defense as they're continuing to miss Bufflin, Morrissey, and now Morrow as well on the blue line. And uh, a couple of those guys are out for a long while, so they have to really get things in order, and they might be uh, hard up against it. Uh, another note here as well, logging first line left wing minutes, Patrick Liney has no goals in his last eight games, certainly has eight, uh, six assists, but I'm going to say you or I have used this line a lot. You or I could get six assists in eight games playing with those two guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern um, that that he's starting to to fall into that slump again. You know, they moved him onto that first line to kind of get him out of it, uh, and he certainly did. Uh, and while the assists are great, that's that's not his game, generally speaking. Uh, this is a, an elite sniper that needs to be scoring goals, and it may be time uh, to consider flipping him and Kyle Connor again. Uh, you know, the problem before was Nikolai Ehlers was out and they hadn't brought in Kevin Hayes yet. So he was playing with Brian Little and usually like a, a Matthew Perot uh, or, or Jack Razlovich, who's uh, been a, a healthy scratch lately. At least at this point, you bump him off that top line. He's playing with quality players in Kevin Hayes and Nikolai Ehlers. And so I think uh, he could still produce in there. And it might be time to kind of shift the focus here for him. Let him go back to being a goal scorer and let Kyle Connor, who's certainly capable of scoring goals, but is better suited to be uh, that winger role to guys like Shifley and Wheeler. And uh, with the dwindling of the playoff schedule, uh, the schedule until the playoffs roll along, sorry, there's 10 games on the slate tonight, but a bunch of them have playoff implications, AJ. As we turn to our FanDuel segment, we'll remind our listeners that over 2.5 million players, including you and I, have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. We want you to take advantage of this special offer from Rotowire. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW and get in on the fun for as little as a quarter a day. It's it's the greatest deal around to have a lot of fun for an evening watching your team uh, against uh, the pack and seeing if you can make a, make a few bucks. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we've had a ball with it all year long. But in terms of the matchups, you and I are going to watch our teams on the road. Uh, Pittsburgh's in Carolina. The Leafs are in Nashville. But... Look at the games with playoff implications. Montreal and Philadelphia, the winner really fans their playoff hopes. The loser might as well go home, I think, at this stage. It's that that vital. And Boston, the Islanders, you're talking about two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. You're talking about uh, the Panthers and Na- Dallas, two teams that we didn't expect to be around the playoff structure. Certainly Florida's hopes are dim, but Dallas is going to be there. That's a big one for the homestanding stars, I'll say. And then probably the game of the night uh, at the end of the evening, Columbus and Calgary. For my money, the two most physical clubs out there that combine that with a, a real good the skill level. I think that'll be a fun one to watch in uh, Scotiabank Saddledome. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll even toss in Montreal and Philadelphia as an option here. Um, these are teams, uh, you know, Philadelphia may be further out, but they're both in a playoff hunt. They're both going to be motivated uh, to try and put some points together and uh, and catch their way there. So, uh, yeah, a ton of great games tonight. As you said, you and I will be keyed into our, our uh, respective teams tonight. Now, in terms of those teams, uh, the lineup optimizer is uh, factoring those two games heavily. Uh, it's going with a Toronto stack uh, in your favor and then a Carolina stack tonight, uh, which I find a, a little bit interesting. But as you pointed out, Evgeny Malkin is out of the lineup. So that certainly could be a factor here where the optimizer starts off with these. Uh, these stacks is Austin Matthews and John Tavares down the middle going eighty five hundred for Matthews, eighty four hundred for Tavares. Obviously, the price tag is a titch high for those two guys, but really hard uh, to argue against that. 
The Carolina stack comes in heavily uh, in the winging, winger section. Tivo Teravainen, 6,300. Michael Furland at 4,300. And Andrei Svechnikov at 3,800. The, the two guys that I really like here are Svechnikov uh, and Furland in terms of, you know, their low price tag, but their second power play unit guys uh, and certainly can be factors tonight. Uh, the, the optimizer likes a player uh, as the fourth winger that we talked about, uh, a bare minimum guy in Ryan Kuffner, uh, $3,000. I mentioned that he uh, got some power play time, and that's certainly uh, going to be the, the factor there. Defensively, uh, goes to Morgan Riley, who you talked about, 6700 for him, and Dougie Hamilton for 5600 uh, And so Toronto and Carolina both factoring in on the blue line. And then in the Nets, uh, the optimizer likes Freddie Anderson, despite being on the road against Nashville tonight at 8,400. So a four-team Toronto stack there, a four-team Carolina stack, and the youngster Kuffner thrown in for good measure there. All right. Well, I hope that it pays off well, because if it does, that means the Leafs have probably had a good night. And uh, <laughs> I'll start my roster off with uh, one of those centers in my lineup. John Tavares reached a career high in his last game with his 40th goal of the season. I was a little surprised to think realize that he hadn't topped the 40 mark considering the quality of his career and the consistency of it but he's done it here in Toronto and I'm very happy about it and tonight I think I pointed out the mismatch at center and I think Tavares takes full advantage of that particularly on the power play as well Tyler Sagan kind of driving the Dallas offense game in game out and uh, I think Florida may have shot their bolt uh, in their last couple of games and uh, I think Dallas at home could be uh, in for a good night a points night in this matchup here as Sagan gets um, the nod as my second center I talked about the St. Louis Blues second line Uh, one of the contributors Robert Thomas makes the grade as a low-end pick at $3,600 I think it's a very good value for a guy who's playing second line minutes there and I love the fact that I can get Derek Broussard in a similar price range he's going to play first line minutes with Nate McKinnon and I I think you got to plug him in against Minnesota tonight as well uh, for that offense that the Avs with them. Rupe Hintz has been on fire for Dallas, and uh, I have no trouble plugging him in for $4,400. I think that's a solid value play for another guy who figures to get first-line minutes as well. So looking at first-line minutes and getting a guy for less than five grand up front is a real bonanza and allows me to put in a guy like Mitch Marner at $8,300 to round out my offense against Nashville tonight in that matchup. On defense, I'm looking at a couple of guys that are carrying the load offensively for their respective teams. Colton Pareko, $4,600 against Edmonton and their lack of a defensive structure makes him attractive for the homestanding Blues tonight and then on the road in a very big game for both teams Charlie McAvoy for the Bruins is going to be the linchpin on the back end with Krug out of the lineup and I'm going to take advantage of that fact to plug him in at $4,800 and my goalie tonight is a guy who's been very steady of late for the Washington Capitals and I said looking for the goalie win is uh, First thing you do is see if the Devils are playing, you go against them. That's exactly what I've done here, plugging him in for nine grand. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I love that lineup. And, and I'll just start uh, from the back end there and, and tip my hat as well. I'm also paying up for Braden Holpe tonight. You know, 9,000, a little bit on the higher side uh, for the netminders. Uh, number two, they're tied with Bobrovsky in terms of price tag. Uh, and so, uh, but with that matchup, you, you just got to do it. And one thing, in my opinion, you just got to do uh, is you're not going to talk me out of keeping Sidney Crosby out of my lineup <laughs> with how great he's been lately. And he's going to need to step up even more with, with Melkin uh, unavailable. So 9,100, I think is a great price tag for him. Uh, and then 
I will uh, go back with uh, Tyler Bozak, 4,700 for St. Louis. I think the Blues' second line is one to watch tonight. Um, there's a there's a couple guys here who have been producing of late. Paul talked about the other two who I've got in my lineup: Robert Thomas, 3,600, and Patrick Maroon, 3,500. Uh, it gives you a, a pretty decent uh, low cost line stack there, and that allows me to pay up big for Alexander Ovechkin tonight, nine thousand dollars. We talked about everything he's been doing, and he should continue to roll. I'm going to go $3,700 for my fourth uh, winger here, and that's Derek Broussard playing on that top line with McKinnon. Uh, I think McKinnon's a great pick if you want to get off the Crosby train, and if you do, consider pairing him with uh, Broussard there tonight. Broussard's value is just too low uh, for a top-line guy. Defensively, I'm going to go John Carlson for Washington, 6,800. I think tonight's a good opportunity to use uh, plenty of uh, of the caps. And then I like Tyson Berry, 5,600. I think his price tag continues to be uh, a little bit low, uh, giving his his uh, value there. The fact that I was able to save a bunch using that St. Louis stack uh, allows me to pay up a little bit higher uh, for my defenseman. And then, yeah, as I said, Brayden Holpe, $9,000. I think that's an open and shut case tonight. And uh, that gives a chance to, for us to go to the stud of the week, and it's an open and shut case for me. When you look at the leading scorers last week, Connor McDavid led the pack with nine points in four games played. He's second in the league in scoring race with 105 points, one of the top producers, as you highlighted earlier, only 68 games played. And that's where I started to think, boy, I feel for, sorry for this guy as a non-playoff guy again, but uh, his remarkable skills, it's likely the last shout-out to him on this show for another season. And I don't want to have our listeners forget he has very little support to do what he does. And when you consider what he does, I pulled up a, a stat sheet of the top players in the history of the game and their points per game. Wayne Gretzky, of course, at the top of the list with 1.92. Mario Lemieux, 1.883. Bossy, 1.497. Or 1.392. Dion, 1.313. Then McDavid, 1.303. Just ahead of Sidney Crosby at 1.293. All the other superstars on this list played on much better teams and also made significant gains against inferior goaltending. And I think, so that uh, highlights for me the fact that McDavid is playing lights out in his career to date and I hope uh, this guy is safe from any injury issues because I want to see how far how far he can go in terms of the career leaderboards and and I want to see some individual success but it'd be nice to see him enjoy some team success uh, at some point because the great ones deserve their names on the cup uh, at least once in their career I think uh, otherwise it's it's uh, kind of a black mark against him and this guy doesn't deserve it he's done everything that he can off the ice and just uh, going through a tough time with the team around him right now yeah i absolutely agree and you look uh at his at his recent performances uh yes uh, a 10 game uh point streak right now coming back from uh, a brief two game stint due to uh injury there but i think what's more impressive is in his last eight games he's they've all been multi-point games so uh he's he's producing at a high level uh every single night and so you know again uh you know maybe another guy to to consider flipping in uh to your lineup with the fact that he just continues to roll on a night-to-night basis and and should continue to you know if you want to knock his game of late which i don't suggest but if you want to (laughs) only three of those 18 points in the last uh eight games have come on the power play um but when you're scoring at the rate he does i don't really care if it's coming five on five or uh with the man advantage 
And I got the rant of the week from watching the Leaf games up close and personal last week, AJ, and I'm really ticked about the magnets on the nets that have come off so easily in the past week. It cost the Leafs two goals uh, last week offensively as uh, nets were knocked off as goalies nudged them off while sliding across from one side to the other. And I can imagine that goalies around the league saw those highlights and said, geez, I can get out of a lot of trouble here by just going hard against the post and the net will fly off and it won't be held against me. Well, I think that's a mistake at the league level. I think a goalie under siege can move the net rather easily and apparently without penalty. And that's wrong and it needs to change quite simply. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm super torn on this one, Paul, because I absolutely agree that um, they, they need to maybe look at it and consider something uh, in terms of how to avoid this from happening. Maybe some sort of penalty if it, if it does seem egregious. But then you're bringing in a judgment call by the referees on whether it was egregious, intentional. And obviously, I don't think we want to secure them any tighter uh, for fear of injuries. With how fast the game is played, there's plenty of times where guys uh, are slamming into the post at at a high rate of speed. And so you don't want to risk a severe injury by not having them come off. So it it is, unfortunately for the NHL, a, a fine line to really walk here. Uh, in figuring out how best to address it. Well, we're going to continue talking about fine lines the rest of the way in terms of our roster updates too, AJ. And so this is a fine place to leave the show for another week, uh, counting down the, the days of the postseason. The games are very intense and uh, high in emotion right now, and that's the way I like it. So we'll keep our eyes glued to what's going on around the league. And uh, that wraps it up for this week's episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in to podcasts to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.